welcome into another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is episode number 42 coming at you on this final Saturday of November, just a couple days past Thanksgiving here in the United States. Hopefully all of you listening had a nice, healthy, happy, and safe Thanksgiving. Uh, Obviously, this has been a terrible year (laughs) for most people, so I say just being here and surviving this pandemic-plagued year is something to be thankful for. It really is, and it really makes you appreciate the little things in life, not to sound corny and cliche, but I was doing a a run of overnight shows this week on CBS Sports Radio, and on Thursday morning, in the wee hours of Thursday morning, uh, there was a caller to the show before me who was talking about Uh, His terrible run of luck this year. When I say terrible run of luck, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, we use that phrase, I think, to describe a lot of things. But this is a guy who definitely can say he's had a bad run of luck. He's lost his job, has not found a new job in nine months, lost his house, is currently living out of his car, and his mother was recently diagnosed with COVID as well, robbing his family of the chance to spend Thanksgiving together. But he said he's still thankful for the fact that he's here, able to listen to the radio, thankful for the fact that he still has a girlfriend, thankful for the fact that he will be able to spend Thanksgiving with somebody and have turkey. And that made me think. (laughs) I mean, I have a conniption over the most minor of things. Like, if an editor sends me back a note about an article of mine with a minor correction, my day could end. (laughs) And like... This is a guy who's living out of his car, and he still says he's thankful for being here on this Thanksgiving. So, stuff like that really puts the little things in perspective, Uh, and it's important to remember as we get to the finish line of this year, where again, I think just surviving and being here is a reason to celebrate and a reason to be thankful. Uh, I am also thankful, of course, for your continued listenership to the show. We've done this now for 42 episodes of Sports Kiki. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer. You can find the Sports Kiki podcast wherever you find your favorite OutSports shows. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Just download, listen, subscribe. You know the drill. And, uh, you know, last week, before we get into this week's show, I do want to get in another plug for the show last week where I spoke with trans sports trailblazer Kirsty Miller who is from Australia, so she was talking to us from the other side of the world. That's very cool, number one. But number two, uh, I think she really laid out the trans experience in in terms that everybody should be able to listen to, understand, and have a better grasp of the trans experience. You know, talking about the humiliation she suffered throughout her life prior to transitioning to how difficult the transitioning process was, and she's had a lot of triumphs, she's had a lot of successes, she loves who she is now, but it took a very long road to get there. And as I've always said, you know, why would anybody go through all of that trouble just to win a high school track meet? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense when you actually hear trans people talk about their transitioning experiences and what that exactly means. So if you missed it last week, Kirstie Miller, 
check it out. Some good holiday weekend listening. Uh, but we want to supply that again for you this week. Good holiday weekend listening. Good weekend listening in general. That is one of our MOs here on the Sports Kiki. In this time of giving thanks, I think I speak for all sports fans when I say I am thankful that sports are back. It's been good entertainment these last several months as we've been locked up at home. But I am not thankful for sports happening without fans. I am not thankful for game cancellations. I am not thankful for game postponements like we're seeing in the NFL, Steelers, Ravens. I mean, if they were to take any Thanksgiving game away from us, it had to be the one good one. I mean, couldn't they have taken Lions, Texans, Cowboys, Washington? But they had to take Ravens, Steelers. But even still, the Ravens have lost three of four. They're on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Their season is on the line this week. And if they do play... As of this recording, they're still on for Sunday. That could change. But regardless, whenever they take their the field next, it will be without Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, their star quarterback, who tested positive for COVID, in addition to a slew of other important players on that team. We know injuries are a part of football, but getting COVID <laughs> should not be. I mean, playing in a pandemic should not be uh, part of football. So... I'm just ready for that to be over, too, and ready for fans to be back in the stands. I mean, look, the NBA bubble, they did a great job of masking it. The NFL, Major League Baseball, college football, they have all these camera angles that mask the lack of fans, the empty arenas, and the magic works most of the time. But then you see them zoom out, and like, you know, on Thanksgiving, I'm zooming out and seeing a completely empty Ford Field in Detroit, and it's like, well... At least 70,000 Lions fans didn't waste their Thanksgiving seeing this abomination of a team this year. But still, I mean, it really felt like something was missing. And this year, we've learned, if we didn't know it before, I mean, we've certainly learned it this year, that live fans is such an integral part of the sports experience. Um, So, thankful sports are back. I think I speak for all sports fans when I can say that. It's been good entertainment. And these leagues, it hasn't been perfect, but overall, they've done it. They've started, they've finished, champions have been crowned. We're entering our most precarious uh, situation yet with COVID cases surging like never before and the surge should only continue after the holidays. But uh, So we'll see, but as of now, they've started, they've completed, they've crowned champions, they've crowned good champions, and at least they've given us something new to watch besides Netflix, which is great, but we need a little more variety in our lives. Uh, On this week's show, a couple of issues I want to hit on. Let's start with Barack Obama and his homophobia. I know that may sound like something straight out of the right-wing playbook. I've done enough shows with my good pal Jerry Callahan, who always reminds me Donald Trump supported gay marriage on his first day as president. Barack Obama did not. Well, of course, Obama has evolved on that issue over the years, thanks in part to Joe Biden, our new president-elect, who Uh, declared he supported gay marriage before Obama did and other members of the administration did. We will always uh, be indebted to the president-elect for that. But in his memoir, Barack Obama's memoir, which, by the way, has sold 1.7 million copies in its first week, which is incredible given just how expensive it is. It's like $45 for a hardcover. But it sold 1.7 million copies. We'll sell many more. 
In one of the passages, Obama talks about his evolution on his views towards LGBTQ people, and he credits his great aunt with changing his mindset. R. Carly Webb has written up a uh, great op-ed on this on OutSports. Check it out if you haven't already. But uh, let me read you a couple passages from Obama. I grew up in the 70s, a time when LGBTQ life was far less visible to those outside the community. He talks about how his aunt Arlene, his great aunt, who was a lesbian, is the one who normalized it for him. He said, Aunt Arlene felt obliged to introduce her partner of 20 years as my close friend Marge whenever she visited us in Hawaii, he wrote. And like many teenage boys in those years, my friends and I sometimes threw, out, threw around words like the F word or gay at each other as casual put-downs. Callow attempts to fortify our masculinity and hide our insecurities. Once I got to college and became friends with fellow students and professors who were openly gay, though, I realized the overt discrimination and hate they were subject to, as well as the loneliness and self-doubt that the dominant culture imposed on them. I felt ashamed of my past behavior and learned to do better. So a couple of lessons to learn there from Obama's telling of his history and ultimate evolution on LGBTQ issues. Visibility has always been the biggest thing and most important thing when it comes to normalizing LGBTQ people. That was the case in the 70s, and that is the case today. Uh, you know, I, I think if you were to, and I don't know if this has been conducted before, but if you were to look at polls on, of, of LGBTQ acceptance, I can guarantee you those who know an openly LGBTQ person in their life whether it's a family member, a friend, coworker, what have you, would be near universal in their, not near universal, but would be far closer to being universal in their acceptance of LGBTQ people than those who do not know an LGBTQ person in their life. Uh, I, I think it really is as simple as that. I mean, Obama says it himself. His aunt was a lesbian and he realized, like, all right, this is uh, these are regular people too, and he met students, uh, his classmates in college, professors in college, and it only added to the visibility and normalization of it all. So that's number one, and number two, and I think this is a very important point, especially as we now go through everybody's old social media posts, and there was a run of this in baseball a couple years ago, where a number of young players from Brewers star reliever Josh Hader to White Sox flamethrower Michael Kopech and, and others going through old social media posts. At this point, you know, these kids had social media accounts in their high school days and seeing and flagging offensive posts, posts with some racial language, in their case, homophobic language. And for our purposes, we'll focus on that. And, you know, there's always a lot of controversy whenever these old posts get dug up. People calling for these these athletes or, or anybody uh, to issue apologies and to backtrack and to, you know, maybe be ostracized for what they have tweeted or posted on social media uh, when they were teenagers. Now, I think that explaining your mindset at the time is necessary and whether or not you still hold those beliefs, I have no issue with that whatsoever, but we have to keep in mind that 
teenagers say stupid crap. They do. Barack Obama himself admits in his memoirs he said stupid crap as a teenager, including homophobic slurs to put down LGBTQ people. So, many of us have made mistakes in our younger days, and those of us who are in our 20s, 30s, we had social media to chronicle a lot of the idiocy that we were thinking in our minds at the time. And saying gay slurs as a teenager, or even a college student, doesn't mean you will be homophobic as an adult. And you can say a homophobic slur as an adult, and you can still grow and evolve from that. I mean, we're going through that with Tom Brenneman right now. We'll see what happens. Obviously, the jury is out, but we've, you know, Sid Ziegler wrote the op-ed at the time, and I've been vocal about it on this show and some other places. I don't think Tom Brenneman should be ostracized from sports broadcasting and sports media because of a slip of the tongue that was caught on a hot mic. Now we'll see what he does, and we'll see if he truly makes inroads with the community. The onus is now on him to help get his career back, but I think he should have that option to get his career back. We have to have more forgiveness, and we have to have more perspective on this, and hopefully Barack Obama doing, the, I think, a brave thing and admitting that he used anti-gay slurs in his past, hopefully that helps get us to that point where we say, Okay, yes, not great, but you deserve a chance to explain yourself, and evolution is possible, especially when we're talking about what people were saying or tweeting when they were teenagers. I mean, your brain is not nearly fully developed. I think I speak for all of us when I say we are far different people now, thankfully, than we were in our teenage years, so it's important to keep that in mind. That's a message that I always like to put forward, and... I think that uh, Barack Obama's memoir could go a long way towards explaining a generation's evolution and many people's evolutions on these things. The last point I wanted to hit on, I am stealing a bit from Don Ennis, our great managing editor, who wrote a shopping list on Friday for Black Friday for LGBTQ sports fans. And on the topic of visibility, we have more visibility than ever in sports. I am very thankful for that, but I would like to see two more things on my Black Friday shopping list, and these are also both on Don's list, but (laughs) I agree with them. Uh, Number one, as we head towards 2021, to go along with my conversation last week with Kirstie Miller and a conversation we've had many times on this show and something we write about all the time on OutSports, it is the LGBTQ sports issue of our time as far as I'm concerned. Trans athletes need to be protected from discrimination. I mean, not to not to repeat this ad nauseum, but if you have any doubts about the trans experience, please, I encourage you, I implore you to go back and listen to my interview last week with Kirstie Miller. And you will say that these are people who deserve the chance to be happy like everybody else. We can't even imagine what it's like to be in their shoes, be in a body that you don't feel like is your own, the mental anguish, and how sports for so many trans kids is a salvation. We tell those stories all the time about how sports are a salvation for trans kids. There's a trans equestrian who we profiled a few months ago, and 
he said the barn was his happy place, his salvation, and it can be team sports, individual sports. We ran a story about uh, a young kid in the Was- in Washington State who wanted to play soccer, Bobby Jones, a trans boy, and he changed the rules of his town so he could play soccer with his peers. And, uh, and But that shouldn't be necessary. It shouldn't be necessary for trans kids to become advocates if they want to just play sports like everybody else. And we're working hard to change that, and hopefully with time, we will change that. And we also spend a lot of time talking about the lack of openly gay athletes in major male team sports, and we'll continue to talk about that. But as an addendum, we just want and need more out LGBTQ people in major team sports, period. And in major positions in team sports. I mean, look at Katie Sowers. She's an openly gay woman who coached on a Super Bowl team this year. That's San Francisco 49ers. With that in mind, you can't tell me that gay coaches don't have a place on football sidelines. Katie, Katie Sowers isn't only gay. She's a woman. And she was a, she's a great coach. And she was a coach on a Super Bowl team this year. Uh, There's a number at WNBA. Kurt Miller does a great job with the Connecticut Sun. I I mean, go on down the line. Uh, And and, and that's the thing. You know, it goes into, we talked about this with Ryan Russell several weeks ago, the bisexual NFL free agent. You know, all these leagues say the right things on gay rights, LGBTQ rights. But now let's hire gay. Yeah, it's very similar to, A lot of the language these leagues have with Black Lives Matter. You know, Roger Goodell said Black Lives Matter. He apologized to Kaepernick and protesting players for the league's original stance. And that's all well and good. And it was nice to hear. But many people said, and they were right. Well, actions speak louder than words. You're sorry about Colin Kaepernick? Okay. How come Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job? Or you support Black Lives? You support Black Advancement? Why are there only three Black head coaches in your league during week one. Uh, we've added Romeo Cornell taking over Bill O'Brien, but you get the point. I mean, why has a number of black head coaches declined? And the same thing can be said for gay people, LGBTQ people. Every league, just like every major corporation, pretty much, says the right things about LGBTQ equality and visibility. But now let's, now let's put your money where your mouth is. I mean, we know there are a litany of LGBTQ people in sports. I think we may be underrepresented in sports in comparison to some other fields, but we're there. We profile you know, LGBTQ people in sports every day on OutSports, and now it's time to hire gay. Let's do it. I mean, what are you waiting for? We're out there, and we're ready for our opportunity. So... There's more visibility than ever, which is awesome, but as much as there is now, there could be even more, and that's what we want to see on our shopping list as we get towards 2021. So thank you all for listening to this special uh, Thanksgiving week edition of the Sports Kiki, episode 42. Uh, As I said at the top, hopefully you all have had a safe, happy, healthy, relaxing holiday, and remember... Celebrate yourself for just being here because surviving through this hellscape of a year has certainly not been easy. And here we are. Thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you next on the show next Sunday.